Well, good morning. It's uh, my privilege and uh, just considered a great opportunity to bring the Word of God uh, to you all this morning, to myself, of course, as I apply it to, to my own life. We're going to be in Psalm 54, and we're diving back into the series of Psalms after uh, a three-week uh, break because of Easter and whatnot, so believe it or not, it's been three weeks, and last psalm we were in was Psalm 53, and there are a few connections between Psalm 53 and Psalm 54, uh, the psalm that we're going to be in this morning, that I'd like to draw out for us today. Both of these psalms are psalms of David, Uh, both are a a masquille, which Gary has uh, told us is a, a teaching psalm, an, an instructional type song, psalm. Uh, both of these book, uh, excuse me, both of these psalms are within book two of psalms. And as Gary has pointed out as well, book two uses the name Elohim for God. And the English, our English Bibles translate that as G-O-D. And uh, same with this psalm. Many of the, the names for, for God uh, are Elohim in this psalm. And there are some exceptions, and we'll look at that. And Elohim is, as we've discussed uh, in prior psalms, is a universal name for God. Um, it is... Uh, that is, the, that he is the one true God, the one true deity that is sovereign over the entire universe, Jew and Gentile alike. And Psalm 53 uh, addresses some that would say in their heart, there is no God. And likewise, Psalm 54 David is dealing with people that, quote, do not set God before them. And this psalm, as you will see in the title of the psalm, is a response to a time when the Ziphites betrayed David to King Saul, who was seeking to kill David. Because David uh, was anointed to be the next king, and Saul was jealous and perhaps fearful of, of his life, maybe the life of his family. He was seeking to kill David. And, and the narrative, that narrative takes place in Psalm 23, when the Ziphites betrayed David to Saul. David was hiding out with, with the people of Ziph. Um, so 1 Samuel 23 is that narrative. If you'd like to research some more later and read more into it. The interesting thing is the people of Ziph were of David's own tribe, the tribe of Judah. So David was betrayed by his own kinsmen. And just prior to this circumstance, David and his men had just fought off the Philistines from the the city of Keilah, and 
the, the city of Keilah was being attacked by Philistines. David and his men moved in and protected Keilah. They saved them. They were victorious over the Philistines. And the people of Keilah were going to betray David. It was revealed to David that they were going to betray him. That, that took place in, in 1 Samuel 23. So not only does he have the people of Keilah, that, who he saved, betraying him, but he has the Ziphites, his own people, betraying him, his own tribe, his own kinsmen, if you will. And he has Saul, who is pursuing his life, trying to kill David. So the title of this sermon, this message, is People Problems, because David is certainly having people problems. And uh, if we're honest, we all experience people problems from time to time, maybe all the time uh, for some of us. And, and so I think this, is, this can be very applicable for us. If you're feeling abandoned, if you're feeling rejected, like there is no one in your life that you can trust right now, and even the ones close to you have betrayed your trust, David has experienced these things, and these things, and furthermore, he fears his own life. So, in this psalm, he cries out to God in the midst of all these things. So, so let us learn from David this morning. Let us learn how to cry out to God, how to present our request to Him, and how to worship Him in troubling times through this psalm. Let's read, and then we'll pray. And dive right in. Psalm 54. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a masquil of David. When the Ziphites went and told Saul, Is not David hiding among us? O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help now. Penetrate our hearts and our minds with the truth of your word. We admit that we cannot have understanding of these spiritual things without your presence and your guidance. We thank you for the grace that you would draw us in and teach us to love you and to, to love one another. 
So, God, we ask for that this morning, that you would teach us, exhort us, comfort us, and then at the end, send us by your Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 1, David says, oh God, save me. He exclaims with an emotional, oh God, oh Elohim, oh God of the universe, save me. He is the God over the Jew and the Gentile alike. And now remember this psalm, and I'll I'll be saying this throughout this message This psalm is a maskil, which is a teaching psalm. So as David is crying out to God, not only is he crying out to God, but he encourages and even instructs the person engaged with this psalm, and that's you, that's me this morning, whether you are a child of God this morning by the grace of Jesus Christ or not yet a child of God, You are invited and even instructed to call out to the God of the universe in whatever emotional state you find yourself in. He's the God over all. So cry out, cast your cares upon him. Scripture says he cares for you. Those who are far away from God, if you're far away, you feel far away from God this morning, Know that he wants you near. Cry out to him and discover how close he is. Listen uh, to the words of this old hymn that's, I believe, so relevant to what David is instructing us to do here. What a friend we have in Jesus. Here are some words to that song. Uh, song. Have, we, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? David would say, Yes, there is trouble everywhere. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what David is doing. He's crying out to God. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. David goes on and says, Save me, O God, save me by your name. By your name. As we've already seen in scriptures, in its original languages, um, there, there are many names for our Lord. And they are significant. God's name represents who he is. So when David says, save me by your name, he's saying, save me by who you are, by your character, by your reputation, by your glory. But but what specifically here is David referring to? What what's particular character trait, and I believe if we, if we look further in the text, we can kind of see a, a parallel to what David is saying here. He says, oh God, save me by your name, and vindicate me by your might. 
by your name, by your might. God, uh, David is asking God to save him by his might, by his strength, by God's ability in power. Save me, God. Vindicate me. Vindicate describes uh, uh, how David is requesting that God save him. Save me, vindicate me, and vindicate me. Free me from blame or suspicion. Make my innocence known to my enemies. This is what David is crying out. Verse 2, again, O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. Oh God, hear me. He cries out. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever prayed that? Ask the Lord to hear your prayer. Does God know what we're going to pray what, and what we're going to say, what we're going to cry out to him? Of course he does. He's all-knowing. And we know that, right? We know that God is all-knowing. He knows that, we, that, he, that he hears us when we pray because he, he knows. He knows. We know that uh, theologically. We know that God, that God hears us. We, we may know that theoretically. But it is good to say that out loud in the moment when we cry out to God because it reminds us in that moment. It reminds our heart in that personal an intimate, an emotional moment that he hears and that he cares. He cares more than we can imagine. On one occasion, Jesus prays, I thank you that you have heard me, speaking to the Father. I know that you always hear me, Jesus says. In 1 John uh, we have other scripture here that assures us that Jesus hears us. And, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Now, let me flip the coin over. Because we must point out that some things hinder our prayers, if you will. Isaiah 59 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So when we ask God, when we're, crying, when we're asking him a request, when we're crying out to him to hear us, we, we need to take that moment to examine our life, to examine our heart. Is there any sin that needs to be confessed between me and my holy God? First John 1 John 1.9 says, to confess your sin. If you find sin in your life, in your heart, confess it. And if we confess it, then he is faithful to forgive it, 
to forgive our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness, to cleanse us. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He's near. James 4 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In the same breath, he says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Then Hebrews 4, 16, this is so comforting right here, this, this verse. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's what David needs in this circumstance. There is a time of need for him. And we can, with confidence, draw near because we have a great high priest, Jesus, who lets us draw near by grace, and we can find help. David finds help. Verse 3 it says, for strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life, they do not set God before themselves. Selah. So here David now describes his situation. He spells out exactly what's happening to him. This is why I'm troubled, Lord. There are people seeking my life, ruthless men, godless men. David is continuing to teach us how to pray. He, when, when, when you cry out to God, tell God what's happening. Tell God your trouble. Tell him what's difficult for you right now. And again, doesn't he already know? Yeah, he knows. But when we state what is troubling us to our Lord, it reminds our heart in that emotional moment, in that personal moment with our Lord, that he knows and he cares, again, more than we can imagine. He knows and he wants us to cry out to him as children would to their father. God wants us to cry out to him, describe what's troubling us. And these godless people are seeking the life of David. That's heavy and probably different than what we're experiencing this morning. I don't know if your people problems are that extreme. Um, I don't think anybody's trying to kill me. Um, so that's good, right? I mean, honestly, that's something to be thankful for, right? When we can think and read about this, we're like, man, I can't relate to David here. He, someone's trying to kill him. Well, that's okay. I mean, our, our, our problems are still problems, but but maybe we should take a moment, take a, a selah or, or a break for a second and be like, listen, it's not as bad as it could be. Thank you, God, that no one is pursuing my life right now. I have it good, relatively speaking. Thank you for blessing me, for keeping me safe, for that security. And then move it a step further and think about those around the world, in this moment, who are being pursued by people that want to kill them, brothers and sisters in Christ, perhaps, let us lift those 
people up to the Lord as we read psalms like this and situations like this that David finds himself in and pray to God, God, I pray for the, the, the witness of these brothers and sisters in Christ that are, are being pursued. Pray for their witness. Pray for their safety. Pray these psalms over them. Selah. Which we know from, from past messages. Selah means to pause. It's a musical term. Pause. Take a breath. It's time to reflect, to reorient. I believe that this is what um, David is doing here. I believe he's reorienting himself. He has stated his problem, and it's important that we voice our problem, as I've stated, um, and as David does here. I believe David is instructing us in his own way, to voice our problems to our Father, who knows. But then David stops. Selah. He stops. He, he voices his problem and then stops. And we'll see in verse 4, he, he moves on to, to truth, to talk about the character of God. And, and so we need to learn right now that David stops. He doesn't wallow in his circumstance. Important for us to voice our problems, but let's not wallow in our problems. Let's not let our problems get the glory. So now let's say la, let's reorient, let's fill our mind with truth. This is what David does now. And after the Selah, after the, the, the silence, if you will, he breaks the silence. And in verse 4, he says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Behold means look. Focus now. Every time the scripture says, behold, just think of it as the word look. And now David's instructing himself, I believe, which he does in other psalms as well. He, he instructs himself to, to look, to behold, and, and he's instructing those engaged with the psalm as well, which is you and I this morning, to behold the character of God. God is my helper. It's the very identity of God. God is my helper. Not just God helps, God is my helper. And uh, this is not just a random fact that God is conjuring up, a random fact about God, but it is a specific fact about God. This is why it's good to voice our specific problem to the Lord, because in His goodness, he meets that very need specifically with who he is. And in this instance, God is David's helper. And he voices that. He says, God is my helper. He's my help. And God is the upholder of my life. My life is not in the hands of my enemies. 
who want to kill me. Even though it feels like that. It feels like that. The fear is, is real. My, I feel like my life is in their hands. But my enemies are not sovereign. My God is sovereign. And he upholds my life. He has given me life. He has sustained my life to this day. He upholds my life. He's not just the holder of my life, but he upholds my life. He, uh, he has protected me so far from my enemies. And notice, behold God, Elohim, right, is my helper. And then the Lord, Adonai, meaning master, not yet the covenantal name. For God, that hasn't appeared yet at this point in the psalm. But the Lord is the upholder of my life. He is the master. He is sovereign. David focuses in verse 4 on who God is. In verse 5, he continues, He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, God put an end to them. David, David's logic and his, his uh, thought flows right into the character of God, um, from the character of God, I should say, flows from the character of God, who God is, into the works of God, what God does in verse 5. And this should happen in our own hearts uh, nat- naturally as well. As we think about who God is, we should think about what God does because in his character, he works. His holiness works. His justice works. His grace, it works. He's active. God is active in his character. It's not just who he is, but it's what he does. So, he, so David says, he will return evil to my enemies. This is what God is going to do, David says. So his logic is, God is my helper, so he will return the evil to my enemies. Jump jump back and forth there with me real quick. God is my helper, so he will return the evil to my enemies. David, um, uh, again, says, the Lord is the upholder of my life, and then in your faithfulness, Put an end to my enemies. So since God is David's helper, since that's who he is, David is confident that God will bring justice upon his enemies. In Deuteronomy, which David would have in front of him, David was, would meditate on the scriptures, and he would have the, the, the portion of Deuteronomy in front of him. In Deuteronomy, it says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And, it, and of course, it's quoted in the, the Newer Testament as well. But, but God, uh, David knew this about God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And then in your faithfulness, put an end to him. It's interesting. David here appeals to the character of God, your faithfulness, God, as he presents his request. In your faithfulness, 
put an end to them. Because you are faithful to your character and your word, God, bring justice to these evil doers. And David isn't taking matters into his own hands. He doesn't do that. In um, 1 Samuel 26, he has an opportunity to take matters into his own hands. He has the perfect opportunity. Saul uh, comes into a cave that David and his men are already hiding in. And Saul comes in, and David has the opportunity to take Saul's life, to be done with this people problem once and for all, and finally not live in fear anymore. And he has opportunity to get revenge. But he says this in 1 Samuel 26, as his men are encouraging him to take this opportunity, he says this, Who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David knows that God anointed Saul as king. This was his time to be king. And God had anointed David, but it wasn't his time yet. David knew that. David knew that, that, that God sovereign, sovereignly had Saul as king in this moment. He was the king. David also knew who the king of kings was. And the king of that king, Saul, was our sovereign Lord God, Elohim. And David knew that God would dish out vengeance. God will repay. In 1 Samuel 26, verse 10, David says of Saul, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. So David knew that vengeance is completely the Lord's. And he lived his life trusting that God will take care of him and God will repay. You know that one time in the cave where David actually did rip off some of uh, Paul's clothing just to kind of prove a point to Paul that he could have, uh, excuse me, Saul, that he could have killed him, but he didn't. Even in that moment after he, he tore off some of the, the, the clothing, David had a moment where he was like, what am I doing? What am I doing touching the Lord's anointed? Like even ripping off at the corner of his robe, David had a, a moment where he had to check himself. He said, what am I doing? David had a, was very sensitive to the fact that God would repay. He trusted God in that way. Verse 6. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name. Here it is. O Lord, the covenantal name of our God. Finally, here in verse 6. For it is good. All right, we'll come to that in a second. God, uh, David says he's going to make a free will offering to God, and and, uh, in the Older Testament, um, offerings were required uh, under the sacrificial system that the Lord gave Moses and the Israelites to do and to perform, And, and Jesus, as we know, would be the complete fulfillment of these as he came as our sacrifice once 
and for all. But a free will offering, as you can imagine, was one given not out of obligation because of a sin, but out of a personal devotion and affection for God and what he's done. And, and uh, someone would give a free will offering. It would be a, a peace offering or a food offering, a meal offering. And so uh, this is what David is declaring that he will perform to God when God saves him. Now this is a way to appeal to God. When you save me, God, I will declare my devotion to you. I will uh, make a free will offering to you. And he goes on and says that he will give thanks to the name of God. And then he drops that name. Oh, Lord. Oh, Yahweh. Oh, Jehovah. You're, you're the covenantal God. You're the God who wants to save me. <laughs> you're the God who desires to be near me and be near sinners. You have made a covenant with your people and even though we can't hold up our end of the bargain, you still love us and you still keep your end of the bargain. And, and God would one day send Jesus to show that he is faithful to hold up his end of the bargain. And he not only is faithful to hold up his end of the bargain, but he loves us so much that he can't not be with his people. He will make us his he loves us. And this is why we continue to talk about the names of God and point the names of God out in the psalm because they're used intentionally and, and they are used to describe uh, specifically the character of God. So knowing the rich history and character traits of the names of our Lord draws our hearts to worship as we read these scriptures and, and meditate on them. David says, I will give thanks to you. O Lord, to your name, O Lord, for uh, it is good. It's a good name. You are a good God. Verse 7. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. For, uh, for gives uh, the reason for what has just been stated. David says, for, for he has delivered me. Uh, similar to for, it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble. David gives reason for his worship during his people problems. David gives reason for his worship. The worship that we offer our God, this is not on the screen for you, but might be worth writing down. The worship that we offer to our Lord is always logical. No matter what's going on in our life, our worship to God is always logical because we always have a reason to praise. I'll say that again. The worship that we offer to our Lord is always logical because we always have a reason to praise. And here's David's reason. For he has delivered me from every trouble. Man, is that true, David? 
Has God really delivered you from every trouble? God recalls, excuse me, David recalls God's faithfulness to him during other storms of his life. He has delivered him from every trouble. He has, deli- has he delivered you from every trouble? Could, could you say that confidently? He has. I mean, if you're here and, and breathing and you woke up this morning, he's delivered you to another day. And it's hard to think about sometimes when we're, we're stuck in that, that long-term people problem or, or the long-term uh, crisis of some sort. Long-term. God, I, I don't see your deliverance yet. And, and maybe that's just like the, the one thing that's on our mind right now because that's what we're experiencing. And it's just been so long-term that we, we're just like, what? I don't know. I don't, I'm not confident that you'll deliver me from this because it's just, things just keep happening with this same person, with this same situation. And what we got to do is we, we have, to, we have to, to see, you know, God did deliver me. Or he, at least he delivered me yesterday because I woke up this morning with new mercy. I woke up the, 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 the previous morning with new mercy. He's delivered me time and time again and, and given me new mercy, new grace and, and wisdom for the circumstances. We, we fail and we fall, and, but, but God's mercy is there to pick us up. And I, I bet this is what David is thinking about. David could have said the same thing. I, I haven't been delivered from this situation yet because Saul still wants to kill me. He's still pursuing me and this has been a long time. Like I just wake up with fear every morning perhaps. He, uh, no one would blame him if he did. But he says he has delivered me from every trouble. Um, take a moment. I want you guys to take a moment. Not now but uh, later on either today if you have a quiet moment or sometime this week Um, in your devotionals, in your quiet time with God, write down, call to mind and write down how he's been faithful to you. Just start with past 24 hours. Maybe that's the hardest hardest part, just the past 24 hours, how how he's been faithful. Start with there, 24 hours. And then think back a week. How, How has he been faithful to you? What can you thank God for in the past 24 hours or a week, past month, a year? Make a list. We have reason to praise, reason to trust our faithful Lord during our people problems. So by the end of the psalm, David is at peace. He starts off in distress and he has good reason to be. And his circumstances, uh, his circumstances don't change during the course of this psalm, but he cries out to God. He tells God his trouble. He calls to mind the character of God, his might, his power, his omniscience, his loving care, his justice, his faithfulness. 
his goodness. He remembers how the Lord has been his help and deliverer in the past. And like I said before, he has scripture on his mind. He has scripture in front of him. And we need to have that as well. That's the only way we're going to remind ourselves as if our mind is on the word of God. He is confident that God will come through again to deliver him so that David can continue to worship him and be a witness to his name. So David is comforted in his affliction. Now I want to read um, just one verse uh, in conclusion and then we're going to pray. But when we are comforted in our affliction, it's for a purpose. Um, and this verse draws it out. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4. Who comforts us, speaking of Jesus, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let's pray. Now, would you stand with, with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for David. We thank you for Psalm 54, your word written down by your servant David to instruct us in how to pray during our people problems and other troubles, God. We thank you for the comfort of your character. You are good, faithful to your promises, faithful when we are faithless. You are just, and we know that at the cross of Jesus Christ is where your justice towards sin and your grace towards sinners meets. Comfort each one of us with that truth right now. I pray that we would understand that our comfort is for a purpose and our affliction is for a purpose and it's for helping others. I pray for the one listening that does not know you in an intimate way, that they would submit to Jesus, our Elohim, our Jehovah, our Yahweh. That they would submit to him as their Lord and Savior. And I pray for all listening this morning that we would learn to pray as David prayed, to worship as he worshiped, to be comforted by your glory and presence during affliction. Help us to point others to do the same. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. God bless you.